Hello, this is Sean from Gaming NBS. I'm recording this Wednesday, August 16th, 2017. As you may have noticed, we did not drop an episode this week, which would have typically been yesterday, August 15th, on a Tuesday. Uh, for the last 140-some-odd episodes, we will typically uh, be consistent in dropping an episode Tuesday at noon, Central Standard Time, U.S. I wanted to get out an episode, but at the same time, I also wanted to make um, and speak to why we were unable um, to get out a show. As some of you know, Brett and I are avid motorcyclists. Um, I've owned many uh, different types. Um, We both had currently own Harley-Davidson's. And uh, appreciate the open road, the curves, um, the openness, the air. Um, Everything about motorcycling just captures people like Brett and I. And not only that, my wife appreciates getting on the back of a motorcycle and relaxing and getting an open view that you don't typically find when you're riding in a vehicle. But unfortunately, on August 12th, Saturday, she and I decided to take a ride, um, and it did not end well. Um, We were here in Madison, Wisconsin, uh, driving down a pretty busy street. Um, It's a three-lane speed limit around 35, 40 miles an hour. Um, The vehicle was in the center lane and opted to take a right turn from the center lane, which was the path that I was traveling with my wife on the back. We were both thrown from the motorcycle. Um, It was a very scary experience, one that I hope nobody has to live through. Without going into a ton of details, um, it was the other person's fault. Um, They were sighted. We were rushed off to the hospital. I, uh, we both suffered pretty severe injuries, but none that we can't heal from. Um, I am obviously been discharged. I have. And my wife is still in the hospital with a to-be-determined date of her discharge. Um, her injuries were a little bit more invasive. Um, to just touch on that, she's had her spleen removed, but is in good spirits. Um, her, her, I guess, state of being, uh, things being good has been 50-50. Um, sometimes it's not always that great. But we both have our mental capacities and we'll both survive and heal from the wounds we've incurred. The word of our incident, I guess, has traveled throughout Facebook, Twitter, and Google+. Um, I've gotten emails, messages, instant messages, voicemails. Heck, I even had one of our gamer friends that worked in the hospital come up and see me in my room. The support, well wishes, and 
offers that have come from you and members of the gaming community have been simply overwhelming. It just leaves me speechless. I've had folks offer to order food and have it delivered to my house, and they're not even in the same state that I live in. I've had individuals offer to cook up dinner and come over and serve it to myself and my wife. I've had individuals wire me money in hopes of that it will help with anything that we have in front of us. It is truly humbling. I think that's why Brett and I, I think I can speak for Brett, when we say that the gaming and tabletop RPG community is one of the best communities in the world. Having said that, we do have a great support, family support channel, um, my dad lives across the parking lot from me. Uh, my wife's family's local. My mother's in the city. They're helping out uh, as much as they can, which is quite a bit because they're, they both have time, and I'm fortunate in that respect. So having said that, uh, we don't require a GoFundMe. We are financially okay. Um, sure, things could take a really crazy turn where medical bills could skyrocket, insurance coverage may be of a, a challenge, but I don't anticipate that to happen. I do keep each one of you my thoughts and uh, want to express my sincere appreciation for all the gestures each and every one of you have made to help myself and my wife during this period of time. But the show must go on. Gen Con is this week. If you're in route and you get this and you have time to listen to it, whether it's on the way down, maybe you're busy, or on the way back when things are winding down and you notice that this is in your podcatcher all of a sudden. Please game your asses off. It's what we love to do. That's what I'll be doing soon enough. And we will get over this. We appreciate, again, everything and all the gestures that have been offered to us. We will see you at the gaming table or over the air, I guess, for lack of better words. Thank you so much. I love you guys. And so here is an episode of Gaming BS going way back to the beginning. Crappy audio and all. Thank you so much for being not only a part of the Gaming and BS community, but just being a great person.
This is gaming and BS. Yes, 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 yes. Welcome to the pilot episode of Gaming and BS. I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. I'm the B in BNS. Heavy in the bull, apparently. Apparently. And I guess that makes me the... <laughs> well, we don't need to get into that right now. <laughs> so, some announcements to start off the show. Um, obviously, not a whole ton of them, since we haven't been around for all that long, being the pilot episode. Um, but we have a website up and running. That's gamingandbs.com. We've got a poll up there. We'll talk a little bit about that later um, for people to weigh in. And then we've got some sponsors links up there with Brett's Dark Theater. Do you want to talk about Dark Theater briefly, Brett? Sure, I can do that. Dark Theater is um, my buddies and I have, um, once the uh, I, iPad came out, we started looking at you know stuff we would like to do, how we could use this really cool tablet thing to be a, uh, a gaming tool, right? So we sat down and said, we're smart dudes. We're all in technology. We can totally do this thing. So we built uh, two different applications for it. One of it is uh, Character Folio, which is, uh, serves basically your 375 Pathfinder character sheets, as well as Savage Worlds and two specific Savage Worlds incarnations right now. Uh, Realms of Cthulhu by um, – uh, I lose my brain there um, – uh, Sean Preston and Reality Blurs. There we go. Sorry about that. And also the Shintar one that um, Sean Patrick Fannin has running out there. So that's all cool. And the other app that we just released is our Army Folio, <clears throat> which is for managing your uh, Warhammer Fantasy Battles armies. That one's uh, pretty fresh out there right now. It's doing pretty well. So, so that's only bad. Warhammer Fantasy and not 40K. Correct. 40K is going to be next. We just haven't quite gotten to that yet. The uh, guys I game with... Um, They've really started digging into 40K. They're loving it, and that means I'm going to have to have an app for it, too, because they uh, won't play without their iPad next to them. So there you go. So have you played 40K? I have not. I've actually watched the guys play it. <clears throat> I did the fantasy battles thing for a while. Kind of my cup of tea, kind of not. I like the smaller battles, the skirmish-style stuff, and the 40K is a heck of a lot more skirmishy. And from watching those guys play that, I think I might end up getting into that, which will be another huge money sink for me. But, hey, but also I got to spend money on besides a wife and five kids, so, so why what, not? Jeez, oh, what, what <laughs> faction would you play? I really like – I mean, it's classic, but I like the Space Marines because I love huge armor and guns and, you know, killing Xenos. That's always fun. So I think it would be Space Marines just because I want to be able to scream for the Emperor really loud every time I attack my foes. <laughs> I start. I was going to start getting into that. I had a uh, can't remember what it's called. One of the carriers, and then I had like uh, I think a rocket squad or jump squad or whatever they call them. So, but I got rid of them because I never really got into the. I never got a chance. Well, I had chances to play, but I really didn't get into getting a huge army to field or anything. But uh, it's 
first time I saw it, I think it was like at a local game store here in Madison, and one of the guys was doing a huge tournament, and or literally like at least eight to ten tables. They even had some of them connected by like a bridge, and it was just this huge 40k day that they were wow. doing some tournament. Yeah, it was pretty cool, and some pretty good set features, um, set pieces that I thought was pretty cool, and, but. Yeah, and then over time, I got to know a little bit more about how it's quite the investment, and I, it just never really. Uh, I don't know. One of the reasons, one of the other reasons, forty k is attractive to me is because it's new to my gaming group, and with the crew I've got, four of the guys, um, Alpha, Beta, and Lenny, and Zave, which are obviously very common names. Um, <laughs> those guys all have they have all, every... all, all names mothers gave them right. <laughs> exactly, exactly. They all have um, between them, they have every. Warhammer Fantasy Army out there. I mean, dwarves, every version of Chaos, every version of Demons, they have them all and can field probably up to 5,000 points per army, which is a shit ton of figs. I think the, uh, what is it, the Imperials? Is it the Imperial Army? It's the regular grunts. Like, I think you have to take almost twice the amount of set pieces, or twice the amount of pieces to field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not the it's yeah, it's Imperials or whatever the hell they're called. I can't remember offhand, but it's not the Space Marines. It's the uh, regular guys. The guys. If you read uh, Dan Ebnett's uh, Gaunt's Ghost stuff from the Warhammer 40k novels, um, that's that. That's those kind of guys, commissars and that type of thing. I get you. It's fun. So uh, we totally digress. Went totally off a tangent on that. Damn it. So oh well. Anyways. Dark Theater sponsor. Go check out their apps. <laughs> it's on iTunes. We got links on the website. Um, by all means, I think we've got a link in even Brett's profile that takes you yep. to, to darktheater.net. And then, um, so just kind of maybe since this is the pilot, we'll talk a little bit why why we're doing it. And I don't even know if I ever asked you, Brett, why you wanted to get in on this podcast thing. So I just pitched it to you because you and I work together. Yep. And we talk about gaming pretty often, maybe once a week. and um, Or more, I wonder if you get it. Right. <laughs> What happens is that Sean and I will get together and we'll be like, hey, dude, you want to do lunch? I cut out at 1130. We get out there early, beat the crowd, have the cafeteria. We'll sit down and we'll start talking about something like, hey, I'm playing this with my group or have you seen this new thing about whatever it is? And then right in the middle of it, one of the network guys will come up and go, hey, Brad, I really need your help because this manager is driving me sodden crazy. I need blah, blah, blah. Or somebody from HR comes up, hey, Sean, I remember you. Could you help me with, you know, and – which is a toy. It totally wrecks my my work by making it about work. So I'd rather. So I think for me, getting into this was just that opportunity to finally have you know a decent discussion with you around some of these topics and not have to worry about getting tagged by somebody from the office every five minutes for something else. That yeah, right. is crap. I don't care about really. Yeah. So we talk enough about gaming, so I might as well just record it and put it out there for the masses. It'll, you know, some of the topics I think will probably cross over. Uh, and that's what I, my fear is. I listen to a, a bunch of podcasts of gaming, and I, I don't. Ha- I hope I don't, you know, just copy or take from what they are. But I think, eh, you know, we'll see. We're just two guys BSing about gaming and and random other stuff that comes to mind. So why don't we go into what we call random encounter? And uh, random encounter is just kind of a piece of of the show where we talk about. Anything that comes to mind, we just kind of put out there quickly. It's not the main topic, but just something that Brett may have been thinking of or myself. And uh, so I, I don't know if you have one for this week, but so yesterday, I don't know if I told you. Um, so currently in an FFG game with some guys that I've grown up with and known for over 30 years, 
FFG FFG stands for Fantasy Flight Games, uh, Star Yay. Wars RPG. Yep. And so the GM, my buddy, couldn't show up, and so I wanted a game, and I said, "Well, we got a couple different options." I threw out in front of the folks that could show up. One was to uh, play D and D Five E or just D and D current iteration. Um, and I could run that, and there's pre-gens in the starter kit, and I was just going to run that. Or make characters, and if we had time, get into it. Or maybe do, like, Savage Worlds, just as a different system for those folks. Um, so they decided, yeah, we'll make up characters. And we did, okay, fine. 5e, five, five e, five e and not Savage? Yep. Okay. Yeah, 5th edition D&D. Um, we didn't get to play uh, that night. So yesterday morning... Um, had some free time, got together with, let's see, four players. Yeah. Uh, had four players, and we I only had like two hours to get into it. So I'm like, oh, that's fine. We can get through one encounter and taking them through the minds of uh, Van Delver. And um, I think that's what it's called, Van Delver. And so what happened was we started. Is that a, is that a pre-gen adventure or something in the, in the set? Or? Yeah. Yeah, okay. it's um. So it comes with the starter box. So if you buy the starter box, oh, okay, okay, you, you get a set of dice, you get the basic rules, and you get uh, a module. In that module or that pre, that adventure pre-made adventure, um, is the Mines of Fandelver. Uh, I think it takes you from levels one to five, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. And so I've gone through the first part as a player at one of the local game stores, a group. Um, I joined, went through the first encounter. So I thought, oh, I have enough as a player, and I could run, I could run this pretty quickly, and I ran, you know, read most of it. Um, and so we started playing it, and we got the characters and started going. And then during combat, there's a combat that broke out, go figure. And Shocking. I know, right? D&D, D &D, someone drew a sword, oh my god. Yeah. And it was your typical ambush kind of scenario. Uh, I don't want to give too many spoilers away, but... Nonetheless, there was a point where the we had the initiative order, and one of the guys was like, I said, okay, what are you going to do? And I'm GMing. What are you going to do? And the guy's like, well, I'm asking her a question, and her is referring to a buddy of mine's spouse who, who plays with us. Um, and she, she, plays, she was playing a dwarven fighter, and she's kind of like after him in the initiative. And she's kind of like, well, I'm not sure. I'm gonna, I might do this. I might do that. And I said, hey – you know, and for whatever reason, I think it was just kind of building up because I was kind of getting irked at their inability to just do something. So, so is the analysis paralysis thing like we oh. talk about in the in the corporate world, right, where you sit there and you talk about it, you talk about it, you talk about it, like, fucking do something. Yeah, yeah, and and so you know, there's it's kind of you gotta have to refrain yourself because it's a new system. Nobody knows how to play. They don't know the rules. But it's not so revolutionary. I mean, we're not playing Fate, right? Something completely different. And so, you know, they've played Path. But at a certain point, you've got to be able to step up and say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to try this thing. It's a character in a brand new game. So what the hell? Let's attack somebody and just see how that works. Right. Well, but the thing that got me was his, I'm like, hey, no metagaming. And... He said, and, and kind of all over on this, but at the beginning, I really wanted to kind of set the tone and get some backgrounds because, you know, backgrounds in, in the new iteration of D&D is, is pretty intensive. I heard somebody actually quote there was, and I haven't counted them, but I heard there were like 20 pages in the PHB dedicated to backgrounds. 
Ah, depth of character. And there's literally like two pages dedicated to like combat. So right. instead of instead of I am Fighter from Fighter Land, my parents were killed by orcs, and guess what I'm going to do? Right. You actually have a real person. Okay. So even at the beginning, I'm like, hey, how do you know this person? How do you know him? How do you know her? How long have you been? How long have you known each other? And so we kind of established that. And this, and the reason I say this is because when he was trying to determine what the dwarf in the party was going to do, Fightor, dwarf Fightor, was going to do in during their move, I said, hey, whoa, time out, no metagaming. What are you going to do? This is the scene. You've got, you know, two enemies to the front of you. You've got the fighter in front of you. You're about 15 feet. We're not using miniatures. We're doing theater of the mind. Of course, that stumped him and kind of tripped him up at one point. I don't know how far away I am. I don't know how far I got to be. I don't understand. Where are? Where is everything? And I'm like, just ask. Let me know. And I kind of paint the picture. And I just, at one point, I just kind of snapped. I'm like, no metagaming. I'm not, I, that's not the game I want to play. If it's a game you want to play, just let me know. This is just not the game. And so afterwards, I kind of laughed. And I said it in such a way where, like, everybody was, you know, there was a quietness that fell over the game. Kind of the boss came in and said, hey, no talking. Right. Get back to work. Quit chatting in the cubes. Everybody goes, oh, shit, I'll go back and work. Yeah. You, you suck the fun right off the table. Totally. Totally. So I felt bad, and I, I later ended up apologizing and say, look, I think I owe an apology to everybody, and this is why. Um, but at the same time, this is the type of game that I'm looking to facilitate. And, you know, he he came back and said that he felt, you know, he was going to apologize, and I beat him to it. But the short of it is that he admits that he is more of an analytical guy, that he is more crunchy, rules lawyery, which is the rules lawyer I don't have a problem with. As a matter of fact, because I'm not rules heavy, so I don't mind a guy at the table or a gal at the table that can whip up the rule quick and just make it, you know, make it quick and, and tell everybody what it means or what what's going to happen. Um, but anyways, that's my random encounter, and I think everything will be fine moving forward, but I don't know if it's from... I mean, we may turn this into the whole topic, but I don't want to because we've got other things to talk about. But I, well, I'll tell you what, though, dude, that just the fact that you you had something and you kind of went, oh, crap, and we're socially aware enough, which unfortunately a number of us at some point in our gaming career are not. But you're able to be aware enough to say, wow, I just slapped my gamers. So I need to say, hey, I'm sorry. And instead of waiting for them to say, yeah, I guess I'm not doing the right thing. When you're running it, I've had that before. Where I was running a game and I looked at my crew and said, yeah. I uh, I bollocks that one up pretty bad. You guys are all pretty pissed off, and quite honestly, you have a right to be because you know it just isn't going right. So that's that's cool, in my opinion, that you did that, and then you can at least come back together and say, okay, I want to do this thing. What do you want to do? Can we find common ground on this? Which is that's a big boy thing to do, you know, jokingly, but it's not easy, you know, in these environments to do that thing to stop them and say, all right, um, yeah, I'm sorry. Here's what we could do to make it better. Can you guys work with me? And it's cool that they were actually big boy enough and, and lady enough to be able to step up and talk back to you and say, yeah, I totally – I'm with you. I'm sorry too, and here's something we can do to make it better together in this great social thing that we're trying to accomplish. So that's cool. Yeah. So that was that was something that came up yesterday. But 
anyways, let's get into, you guys can drop us an email if you want to talk a little bit more about some of the things that might have come up as far as metagaming goes, and we'll make it like maybe a show topic in the near future. Well, I think it's definitely something we should talk about. Oh, it drives me crazy. And I, I mean, yeah, it's a whole another, definitely another show. So what are we you know, honestly, though, it kind of, it, I was going to say it bleeds right into what we were going to chat about when we're talking about narrative control. Because um, this is something that Sean and I started talking about the other day over, over lunch when we found a quiet place in the cafeteria where no one would bother us. And um, we were talking about the, uh, the Star Wars game he's got going on and the, um, the way the dice work in that system and how you can you, – you roll the die and then there's different ways to interpret it, interpolate, read the dice, figure out what they're supposed to say. And some of that control is on the Game Master side and some of it could conceivably be on the player side. And what you were telling me just now with the random component from before is that if you don't have an understanding of what you each want, across, you know, all the different people at the table plus the game master, if you don't get what you're, what you're trying to accomplish, uh, what each one of you wants to get out of it, the old social contract concept, then you're not going to have the trust when those dice hit the table that, hey, because if I remember your explanation correctly, I've not played the game, but you could fail – Excuse me, you can, could fail in a good way, succeed in a bad way, the way the dice were all just to give that component of it. And if the game master is very black and white, you know, it's either good or bad and there's hard to get the shades of gray and you can't go back and forth with them, then you're going to be in that position where you have to look at it and go, um, is this the type of game I want? Is the story I want to play? Is this the type of thing I want to do? Is this fun for me? If the only thing that happens is either hit the orc or I don't hit the orc, um, even though the dice, in your opinion, clearly state I could hit the orc but with a glancing blow or I miss him but set myself up for a plus one on the next hit or something like that. Yeah. So I, I was going to say I can uh, – let me think about this. I mean there's a number of game systems that I've run that don't have any rule for that at all. But the guys I've been gaming with and just – um, from a background perspective for folks, the group I'm gaming with, I've been with the bulk of them, about five of those guys, for over 20 years. So there's a lot of stuff that we're like, oh, we just do because that's how we do it. And we didn't have a system that had die interpretations like that. You just would come up close, right? Somebody would roll a 19 when it was supposed to be a 20 and it was really close. And one of us who was ever running just kind of give it a little edge just because it felt like it was something you should do and – went back and forth like that. So I don't – I've never played one with a mechanic that said if you do this, this is what you – know, these are the type of options you have in front of you. So I think I need to. I think it would be kind of cool. Yeah, it's a, it's, a unique, it's a unique game for sure. And I do think that a lot of it has to do with um, – you mentioned social contract briefly. And I think even then there's a lot of the – RPGs that could benefit from a social contract and sometimes it's inherent and sometimes it's you know you got to flesh it out and set the expectations and actually bring it up as a topic and talk about with the group and I think with you know it's funny I have the same type of setup that you do right I've got the group that I played with for 30 years and we we got together and learned how to play RPGs together and whether some of us have evolved more um, because of our exposure to different games or or what the case is, that may be my, what I'm experiencing. Like 
you know, I don't want to play the same way we've played maybe for 10 years. Maybe I want to play a little bit differently and this is why and how. But I've also had the, the groups where, you know, I don't know any of the – not any of the players. I've maybe known two of the players for a couple of years but very casual, not uh, seeing them very often and interacting them with, with very often. And then maybe two new people that I've never met before and getting that dynamic down. And it's funny how it kind of falls together a little bit. But, you know, it's, sometimes you have to sit down and say, hey, this is, you know, if you want crunchy, very tactical, it's, you know, not the way we roll. Um, or if you want really heavy role playing and one of the guys at the table wants to do a tactical heavy and that's not out there and spoken, you know, somebody's going to not be happy in the whole s- scheme of things. But, well, I think with, the, with a system like the one you talked about um, with the, multiple dice if i remember correctly these are like different shapes and colors and different pictographs on them and such right yeah so we're, we're talking this one? about we're talking about fantasy flights new star wars game star wars game. yeah edge of the empire is it edge of the empire there's age of the rebellion and then they okay. came out with the uh the force one um fate and destiny i think it's called it's in, it just yeah go ahead no i was gonna say it in <clears throat> The way that is laid out, at least my understanding of it, again, I have not played it, so my apologies if somebody is going to correct me on this. But when you have a system that's designed to have interpretations on dice in order to have more than – it's supposed to create something interesting that doesn't always translate to you either hit and you did double damage or you missed and you chopped your own hand off. If it's supposed to be open up for that and if the system explains that, you know, when you read the game, this is kind of where system does matter to a point. In that, at least to me anyway, um, when you read the rules, you f- you feel how it's supposed to go, and the spirit of that system and the rules, the spirit of it is, you know what, we're supposed to get really descriptive here, and it should be more than just you really hit or you really missed. There can be just a bit of narration around it, like, hey, yeah, you did it and you tripped or you're something happened, you, you you slid on a glass bottle or you knocked over a chair or something, because that then leads sometimes to another step within the narration to make the encounter more fun, where that you end up grabbing the chair in the next round and slapping a guy with it while you pick up your I don't know, your lightsaber if it fell out of your hand or whatever the case may be. You know, an improvisa- improvisational weapon or just changes the entire room layout a little bit, because having that short description of you and I back and forth and you tell me, hey, you um, you slide into the table because you tripped. And I'm like, well, you know, the dishes obviously go flying. We may not even know there were dishes there, but dishes imply forks and knives and glass and possibly other cutlery and platters. Next thing you know, people are throwing saucers and other crap all over the room and just making it this wacky thing that could happen as opposed to you hit the table and you lose your attack because you're off balance. That's pretty boring. If you as a player are trying to drive the more fun um, extra uh, expressive narrative, and the DM has no desire to do that, then you're on two opposite ends of that system spectrum, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And even I think even one example you and I were talking about the other day was walking into a room and doing a search check. And, um, you know, in some games you, I mean, I've, run games that are a little more tactical and somebody walks into a room and roses the 20 sider adds their skill and says, what do I see? You know, and then if you talk to some of the folks that play some of the older games, yeah. 
uh, and some of the folks that play some of the older games, they'll walk into a room and say, okay, what do I see? So then there's a dialogue that begins with the, between the DM or GM and the, the player. Um, what do I see? Okay. There's a, bed. The, the, the OSR. Yeah. It tends to be with the, the old school Renaissance guys that, yeah. that do play the, the old red box, um, swords and wizardry, um, and some of those Azurics, just, there's a plethora of them, but you know, you do, it's rulings over rules is their kind of mantra. Um, but they'll go into a room and there isn't necessarily a quote unquote skill for looking in the room. Right. Um, but you have to kind of tell the DM or GM that what you're doing, where you're looking, and then that, that information's divulged. You know, how in depth are you looking? You know, are you going to spend a lot of time? Or are you gonna, it's going to be a short amount of time? You know, if there's a bed, do you flip the bed? Do you rip across, you know, apart the mattress? You know, all kinds of different things you can get into. And, and there's, yeah, so narrative control in that space, you know, the player's helping out in that and the more details they get into. But with the Star Wars Fantasy Flight game, there's, um, yeah, like you mentioned, you can you can fail and you can have an advantage, right? So if you don't get enough successes and you have enough failures, whatever you're trying to do actually fails. But you can still have enough results that are that give you an advantage or a threat. So you get this weird dynamic, which is what you kind of touched on. And so the GM will we'll try to kind of narrate that and facilitate what happens. But there are also GMs out there that allow the player to kind of determine. And then if it's too much, maybe it's over the top. Maybe it gives, you know, you have one advantage and what you're really narrating is something that maybe equate to three advantages. Um, the GM would could step in and kind of mitigate that a little bit. Um, now, does this does this system tell you one way or the other is the preferred method? Like, hey, you should let the let the players do does it infer the players should have a hand in this or it should be a back and forth how or and or how strong is that inference if it's out there well that's a good question and i don't i don't think it actually does i don't have my book in front of me but i don't think it spells it out necessarily i'm on the web page that kind of talks about the die mechanics okay um and it's it's stipulates you know the core mechanic is a skill check and at times the gm will have the characters roll pools of dice to determine whether their actions succeed or fail. And then whenever you roll a skill check, you compare a pool of positive dice and their results against the results of a pool of negative dice, right? So it's, you know, you're comparing the pluses and minuses, right? So positive dice help you accomplish the task or achieve beneficial side effects. And then these dice may reflect uh, his innate talents or abilities, special training, superior resources, or other advantages that you can apply to the specific task. Negative dice represent the forces that would hinder or disrupt you, such as the inherent difficulty of the task, obstacles, additional risk, and the efforts of another character to thwart the task. Um, but it doesn't truly memorable sequence... I was going to say, even if it doesn't itself do that, I mean, that's to your to the thing we kind of kicked off with is the the concept of how much I want to do this is the trust between the players and, the D and your game master, right? So if your game master for the Star Wars game only wants to be the one to say this is what happens because I just it kind of – this is a harsh phrase, but I, I dictate all the activities based on the die rolls. I am the sole interpreter of that. 
And if you have a really cool idea that you think you'd like to posit saying, hey, this should be really cool, it's still a failure, but I'd like to have this advantage. Like I'm trying to fight past this dude anyway to get to the door. I don't hit him, but I do slide two feet across the floor towards the door because I tripped. Okay, yeah, why not? You know, just to give you a slight edge. And if the game master is like, no, I'm sorry, it's that's not at all what I'm going to do. It has to be this totally other thing. And if what you're trying to do is to make it more interesting and more fun, it's and not just for you, right? If you do it, in my opinion, if you're doing it right, then it's fun for everybody at the table. Like, ooh, that's really cool. And that sounds like something I want to be a part of. And that type of narration is is a good time. It makes for a great story in that in that particular encounter. Then I don't know why as a game master, you wouldn't want them to wouldn't want to hear that and go, hey, that's an even better idea. Let's re, you know, rewind the clock for a second and throw Sean's narrative in there instead of Brett's because Sean's was way more sexy than what I had. We're going to go with the slide across the floor two feet closer to the door because next round, boom, he shuts the door and a bad guy can't escape. Yeah, and there's, yes. And so there is also like uh, a mechanic where you can actually kind of pay that forward. So you, if you... Um, I believe, and uh, I apologize, I'm going to drive some of the Star Wars FFG guys probably nuts, but um, there is the ability where you get um, advantages, I believe, and then you can actually give, so you, you don't have to necessarily take advantage of that yourself, but you, what you can do is you can add <clears throat> what's called a boost die to the next player. So I could screw up, I'm just you know, theoretically speaking, in my Bad guy's trying to escape out the, the door behind him. I'm trying to stop him. My friends are also trying to do something else in this process. I give them the two extra seconds they need to close the pod bay doors or whatever the case may be. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So no, I can take my advantage and basically pitch it to the other guy and say, here, you take a hold of this thing. I failed this you know, thing I tried to do, but, hey, fortunately, my you know, absolute clumsiness with my blaster helped you get your thing done on the side. Cause if nothing else, a bad guy thinks, wow, this guy's a moron and is busy paying attention to me. So the, so you would have a failure. So in your kind of scenario, you would have a failure, but you would have an advantage. So instead of you taking advantage, taking advantage of the advantage, that sounds ridiculous. If you, if you don't take, um, if you don't want to take that advantage yourself, right. You so pass, you, yeah, you so pass you it can, off. Yeah, you pass it off, but it's not it's not a hard and fast. It's just a die. You give the die to the next person that is in 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 line in the initiative order, and they can use that to help them what they're accomplishing. Whether it even relates to your, it should relate to your actions because it's your advantage. Um, and hence the narration that you could throw out saying, "How how the hell would we have this work?" Well, why not? Here's how it could work. See, I honestly think that, and in my opinion, that end of it, making that narration fun is where I think you really need more of the player input than the game master input. Because if you're failing but succeeding, you know, how do you as a player envision that? What would you deem as a failure yet a success? On my side, uh, success plus a success would dur pretty simple, you know. And if I fail and succeed as the bad guy... I would be like, well, this is what would make sense for my environment, so I'm going to fail and succeed in this way, you know. And if you do that, because it, it's a it's a gray, fuzzy, it's success but not success. And how would you measure that? It's your die roll, it's your character and your group that this thing's occurring to. What would be successful to you? And if you go completely 
way the hell off somewhere else, somewhere that I think is just stupid. I'm going to say, no, that's a bit much. Why don't we tone that back and, you know, you, you, you cut off his toe and not his whole leg at the hip or whatever, you know, or some variation on a theme. It's just not, you know, you don't get the whole enchilada. You only get part of the enchilada. Well, that's the biggest challenge on forms. And when people talk about the new system, like even, you know, when they go from one system to this one, it, it becomes, it's hard for people to kind of get their head wrapped around what that is. And so to kind of make sure that we're, we're on the same page, there's success and failure, and then there's advantages and threats. Okay. Right? Okay. So when you say I could fail, but yet have two, three advantages or one advantage, or I can succeed and still have three threats or two threats or one threat, or you can succeed and all advantages. So like everything's blowing your way. So I just want to make sure there's, that's clear because sometimes it can get confusing when you talk about I succeed, but I have so many failures. Is this the f- – oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Because failures actually offset successes and vice versa. Okay. In the old uh, old uh, White Wolf system, the original World of Darkness, which I ran for God knows how long, like 15, 20 years practically for, that, for my group, you used to be able to do the um, – it was the – the successes, you know, the tens and the ones, ones would cancel successes and tens you could re-roll on in certain occasions and so on. So it was kind of a, it was a, it's a die pool mechanic and it's pretty, that success and failure is pretty obvious right there. You rolled all the dice because you're a player for your character, you rolled them all and you say, wow, I had 10 successes, but I also have these because you could get a big salad bowl full of 10 ciders at some point, believe me. Um, and you had 10 successes and five ones. Well, okay, trim it down. Now I've only got five successes. So Knowing how you started with this wad of success, and you could say, well, I chipped it away down to just a couple threads. So the player took part in whittling away his own success as, as big as it could have been and saying, ah, wow, it really did get trimmed down through all this obnoxious failure <laughs> that happened in the process. So it, at least with my group and I, it felt pretty um, uh, kind of natural just to be able to say, well, yeah, boy, I just by the skin of my teeth, I leaped across the you know, from building to building in the alley, just barely grabbed onto the fire escape. When the rule may state that, you know, one success is, is good. I mean, that's all you need. You only need one eight or higher. But <clears throat> when you whittled it away from five five eights and up down to one, you really felt like you just kind of got it. Yeah. But yeah. in this in this case, if <clears> – <throat> now, I, I guess to finish my thought on that, though, we got there by going slowly through it the first couple times because it was a totally different – mechanic for a lot of the guys that played especially uh for me uh, running with them was how are we going to interpret this stuff what's it going to work and we read the rules looked at it said well i think this makes sense does that make sense we went back and reviewed it and go yeah I, I think it does we'll go with that. that's in the spirit of the rules so we'll keep going with it you know so i guess long way around to ask a question is that is this the first time that you and this team have played or this group have played this version of the star wars system yeah, it's it, the game's been. I think it's been around like a couple of years now, and we it's the first time any of us have played. So yeah, it's new. Um, and I listened to a couple of podcasts. One there's a big one out there that talks about um, it's wholly dedicated to um, Star Wars role playing games, and they happen to be because this one's the latest iteration is the one that you're talking about the most. So shout out to Order sixty six and those guys over at D twenty Radio. 
Um, but it's a good podcast that talks about a lot of these issues. And so a lot of that, uh, the advice on how to handle those things come from them, but they get a lot of inquiries on what, and in one of the segments that they actually have, they actually say, okay, you roll and you get, whenever you, whenever your failures outweigh your successes, you fail. Whenever your successes outweigh your failures, you succeed, even if it's one. So whatever you want to do is based on that. The advantages and threats are based on any of the extra symbols that may or may not come up. Um, so they do actually, there was one episode that they did that talked about, okay, you roll this. And then they would say, you have to come up with, and they would do, they'd have three guys on the on the show and they would say, okay, I'm going to come up with the, the die roll. You guys tell me how you would adjudicate that. And they, they'd say, okay, two failures, uh, success, and three advantages. And they'd go, okay. And then they would just kind of talk about what they would come up with. But, you know, when you don't play it enough and you're not getting into that, or even if you just don't know or you don't have any of those examples, it can be rather difficult. Um and he, Let's take it. If we let, let me stop for a second. If we take a step back and think old school OSR, AD and D, D some of the older stuff. When you to what you we mentioned a uh, number of minutes ago was around the I walk into a room and I search the old the narrative old school system was like look there's no I rolled to search like in Pathfinder or any of the other variations on that theme. You would say what do you do as the as a DM? What do you do, Sean? And Sean would say ah yes. We mentioned the table. I'm going to look underneath the table, and the DM says ah the the whatever it is, the green slime jumps out and eats your head. And you're like, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. Remember when I look under, t- under table, I always prod with my dagger. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. You said you always do your dagger. Or you have the, the back and forth bitching about whether you always use your dagger or not. Um, and I think I always, when – I always love those incidents too. Just, <laughs> those fun. You're going to get my blood boiling on those. I didn't say that. Well, I always do. I always tell you I do this. Exactly. Yeah. So we could talk about that particular piece of hell later on but um but in this case though you don't there's no system right there's no die that says i remembered my dagger therefore i did this and the green slime didn't eat my head it was a narrative argument back and forth so i think what's freaking some people out with this and again i've at least and as you've gone brett's experience is that when you have dice and you roll them you're like aha this is supposed to be an empirical thing there's a freaking chart and a thing and it says if i get six or better i have a blah and it's this and a that i fail and there's one of these it's squishy i roll dice and squishiness occurs this is weird you know i'm supposed to roll die and if i beat the target of six how come i don't get it well you roll the pink what the hell does pink mean you know well it's a it's a it's a die mechanic that's narrative and i think that's kind of freaky to some gamer dna because you're used to when i roll a die that means the talking stops and the empirical data comes, and you roll dice, and the talking just keeps going, and there's no empirical data. What the hell's going on? Yeah. That's what it feels like. Again, I haven't played it, so I, I, and I haven't read it, so going on what you're saying and how that would interpret to me and my experiences with other similar games <clears throat> that have you know a die roll that kind of leads to squishiness or, uh, or like with uh, Savage Worlds to me with like the – the bennies and stuff. Hey, you do this? No, you don't. Yes, I do. Kind of the, the poker thing. You can get going back and forth throwing bennies or with fate, you know, fate points. Um, and when you do that, it's it's kind of cool. 
You know, but I think it freaks some people out when you take when you go from tokens and things that aren't dice to actual dice, roll it, and you're like, wow, I have there's no numbers on the damn thing. There's shields and arrows and boxes, and there's nothing that says you beat the target, therefore you get everything you wanted and more. It's just like, hey, what did you get? I don't know. You tell me. No, you tell me. You know, I, yeah. I think that throws people for a loop. That's but you gotta you gotta have that back and forth though with the crew, where you decide like you like at the very beginning you're like, hey, uh, I'm sorry, you know, I wanted to do this. I really laid it out, kind of hit you with the hammer, saying no meta gaming. God damn it! And they're like, well, we we always meta game. I I thought that was okay. And if they feel surprised, they're gonna be you know nose out of joint, angry. And for this type of thing, you get together, go well, okay. Billy the DM says, no, all the die rolls, all squishiness is decided by me and nobody else. Well, had you told me that, Billy, at the beginning, we could have cut out a lot of the heartache, you know, or we could have had this argument up front and try to figure out a, uh, <laughs> a squishy gray area when we could actually push you a little bit or how, what, what would be okay? How could I help you get past the narrative? Because what if I don't like what you did to me? Type of thing. Yeah, the narrative part, that's, well, that's what it's all about, right? That's the, the conundrum. And I think... What kind of sucks and what kind of irks me, I think, is over the years, and I don't know if it's I don't know if it's the D twenty, like I don't want to put my finger exactly on that system. And I know so many people are like, "Why not? Go ahead, do it. Put your finger on that system because that's the problem." But <laughs> I don't damn know. the system, I damn the man. I don't know if that. I don't know if the narrative pieces of RPGs, and not all of them, obviously, because some of them are so narrative intensive, and usually they're some of the independent published stuff. But, you know, I don't know if I could sit down with my group and I go, I, you know, there's one group I, I game with um, up until a few weeks ago for the last couple of years where, you know, if we played Redbox, it's it's a whole different ball game. There is, I mean, I think a lot of them, they'd walk into a room and not even know what to do because they wouldn't know how to freaking narrate or narrate themselves in the room. They wouldn't know how to kind of say, uh, take that narrative control. Dice or Which no is, dice. It's kind of weird to me because unless you have a group of people that, I, well, two thoughts. One, there's probably a reason why the other system is the best-selling system out there. There's more people that play like that. I would assume you buy shit that you like that plays the way you want it to. At least that's what I try to do. If I want to play certain types of things, I've got Amber, I've got a crap ton of different systems to do different things with. <clears throat> but it kind of shocks me when people, well, I've been gaming for 20 years. You know, I've been gaming since I was in third grade and I'm 41 now, so it's been a while. How do you have no memory of what you did with your friends in high school when you argued about I always use a dagger to check under tables. I freaking told you that, Sean. How, how did you lose that memory and not go, oh, yeah, I remember how to do that? It should To me, it's like riding a bike. I mean, you know, I stepped away from it. I run it. I ran an OSR game for my for my crew a while back. They went, oh, my God, this is awesome. I'm sick of the freaking die roll for everything, die roll for this, die roll for that. I just want to talk about it. I want to describe it. So they totally got off on it. I think and, some of them have lost it over the years because, we one, we just get old and we can't remember yesterday. I think it, we're all we're all old farts. and can't. <laughs> that is I, that is possible. I, I can't remember how we used to play. Johnny, help me remember. 
But <laughs> it's either my memory juice. I don't think you know. Honestly, I think I was talking to somebody the other day. I mean, it was you probably, and Could saying, I don't know if I'd ever want to play the way we did when we were younger. We probably played like doorknobs because we were thirteen. Well, and, there's a difference to a difference from. Uh, how how do we do this, right? Because we're talking about the way we play, but there's an approach to the way you play, right? Like being a total 13-year-old dickhead who just is trying to get even with the DM because he broke your sword. Or that rust monster totally shouldn't have hit me five times. He destroyed my magic plate mail. I'm going to get him back. You know, that type of crap we don't like anymore usually, right. at least usually, I hope. But there was kind of cherry-picking, if you will, back and looking at the, the narrative components. We're better than it. we should be, I would hope better narrative players now than I would have been when I'm when I was 10 or 8 or whatever it was when I started. Yeah, you think I, so. When I game, there's a uh, in my hometown of Wausau, there's a the high school I went to has a game club. And um, I've run a couple of different games for them and at their little Evercon, which they run every January, which is a lot of fun. Um, and it's all kids. I mean, high school and junior high level kids. And playing, I've played Pathfinder for them, Call of Cthulhu stuff, and Osric. And they approach them all the same. They could give a crap what the rules say. They want to tell me what I'm going to do. They say, Brett, here's what my character does this. I do this. I attack this thing. I want to flip over the table. I want to use this like I want to do a ninja roll. I mean, I had one kid who's playing a big, ugly, half-work Pathfinder system. He did not know his freaking character sheet. Didn't care to. I want to do a ninja roll. What do I have to roll? That's all he asked me. That's all I cared for. Yeah. I want to do this cool narrative thing. Give me something to make it happen where it would get squishy and probably terrifying for him. But I said, okay, Justin, which is the kid's name, um, go for it. And he rolls these three funky dice, different shapes, colors, different symbols on it. And they go, ha, you have one success, one failure, and another success. That means you have to fail slightly. He'd look at me like, what the do you mean fail slightly? I either do it or I don't, right? Yeah. You know, so that black and white thinking is there that if I roll a 14, I have it. And if the dice aren't the final arbiter of success and failure, why the hell am I rolling them? That's oh, what right. that, that's what it would hit him, you know, based on, again, playing with those high school and junior high kids. They're, they're like, well, if the dice aren't the final arbiter of this, it's what the hell am I rolling these dice for? Well, I think that's the big issue is like the degrees of success are usually not incorporated into a lot of RPGs, even the old school ones. So it's just... Nope. Yeah, you're right. I think it's a, do I do it? Is it cool? Can I do it? Um, yeah, I think that's the, the big issue, which is something new, and some people appreciate it, and some probably won't be able to put their wrap their head around it. And that's it's fine. It's all dependent on how you, how you want to play, right? Yep, exactly. What you want to play, what your crew wants to do. I mean, I've had guys that would, back when I was running Vampire all the time, would be like, hey, we're playing Vampire. Like, oh, I want to run a mummy and a mage and this is like nope sorry not in this game then they get a little cheesed off like no i really want to do this thing i want well, too bad that's not what we're doing so they gotta go find something else the hard thing is is when you're with one group of guys you're like Look, i really want to run some crazy space opera slash transhuman slash other thing with a gurps um hack of savage worlds or something equally weird sounding and everyone in your group's like why would you do that? That sounds stupid. I don't like that or whatever it is. You social contract perspective, right? You got to find something that everybody's going to enjoy at least on some level. And if you're playing a game where one of the core pieces of it is squishy die interpretations where you argue narrative control back and forth and most of the people at the table don't get into that, you're going to have a really shitty time. 
Yeah. Yeah. Not that you're having a really shitty time. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not inferring. Not inferring. You're having a really shitty time with that, but I could see. I could see where that would be frustrating at the very least. Right. So that's a narrative control. What else do we have to say about that? Um. Or you, have you vetted that? I think when it comes to die interpretations, I think I have. I'm. I have a thing, and I, I vacillate on this is with the uh, and I touched on fate in Savage Worlds, and I kind of hate. Fate points, and I kind of don't like um, Benny's. <laughs> it, part, and I, I know a lot of guys love that stuff. I met a lot of men and women at Gen Con stuff that really love it. I played Savage Worlds a number of times. I've always had a good time. I've never not had fun playing, right? It's been fun. Um, but there's something really wonky to me, and this probably comes to you know playing with the same group of guys, men and women, for 20 years, is that I don't need a system for Lenny or Alpha to tell me I take control of the scene. They just do it, and it makes sense for us, and they just go ahead. It happens. It's a natural thing that my group does. So when I read a system like that, I think uh, it's a gimmick. <laughs> probably, a, probably a topic for a totally different podcast, but it feels like a gimmick to me, and I know it's not supposed to feel like a gimmick, and that's where I need to like I said, I try to take a step back and go, okay, is it a tool for other people? Does it help other groups play better or more like I do? I don't I don't know. It, like I said, if I talk about it in my head, it doesn't sound as arrogant as when it comes out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and just realizing that is half the battle. I think it might be. Just kind of, Sometimes you have to apologize to your team like, look, guys, I'm really sorry. <laughs> so if anybody out there loves that stuff, I'm really sorry. I'm not trying to be arrogant. I just, like I said, my, when my group naturally does certain things, and like narrative control, if I were to play the Star Wars system, roll the dice, and we need a, a squishy die interpretation, it'd be a two-minute conversation. We'd all have something everybody liked, and we'd be off and running. People would be chipping in back and forth for each other. Alpha would roll this weird thing that could go either way. Lenny will argue with me, <clears throat> Beta and Zave and JR would step in, like, oh, this is what it is. That totally makes sense. Off we go. Everybody can, you know, consensus in about a minute, minute and a half, two minutes, done, boom, off you go. Because everyone wants to keep it rolling. Yeah. So, but again, that's 20 years of, you know, brotherhood and sisterhood backed into one crew. It's a hell of a lot easier to say I know what this person's thinking because I've been in this spot with them many, many times. Yeah. So I think, like, even so with the spirit of FFG and the Star Wars that they're doing, I mean, perfect examples, if you were to really flesh that out, is when you took, when you, the Han Solo guy, so it's a, the, we'll, we'll wrap this up in a second, but the Age of Rebellion, um, re, not the Age of Rebellion, sorry, Edge of the Empire, that version is when you're playing all bunch of fringers on the outer core, and you're kind of like the ragtag band of, good-hearted guys doing probably working with the criminal underground. You're playing fringe characters. And so really the first guy that comes to mind is the Han Solo guy, right? And yep. so when you talk about the die mechanics in the game and facilitating that and rolling it over into the narrative, the examples that you can actually apply from the movies is many of them come from Han Solo. And the perfect one is when in Return of the Jedi – he is walking around on Endor, and he's going to sneak up on the the, the stormtrooper guy. Um, and he he steps and he rolls right. He's gonna he's gonna step up and sneak up on this guy, and then he's gonna punch him in the face and subdue him. Right. Yep. So as he's sneaking up, he rolls the dice, 
and he fails because, and then he, I mean, no, he succeeds, but with a threat. So what happens is he steps on the stick. The stormtrooper looks at him, turns around. And Snap, then he, what the hell? Yep, exactly. And then he punches him. Yep. Right. So it's those kinds of different things that, you know, Han Solo is, even when he's, he's trying to get, you know, they, they jump out of the asteroid belt. They got the big Imperial ships coming after him. He's going to make the jump to light speed. Well, th- think about the, uh, they're coming in on the A-wing, right? And and he says, uh, just kind of whatever. And Chewie's, Chewie, you know, brrr at him. And he goes, I don't know, just fly casual. Right. The whole thing, they get through, but like it's an older code, sir, but it does check out. I mean, that whole thing is, from that mechanic perspective, is a success with threats, you know, on it. You've got Vader going, aha, my attention's been drawn. This causes this, blah, 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 blah. Boom, you roll the dice with all those modifiers. You get in, but guess what? The Empire knows you're here. Yeah, I right. mean, that's just exactly. how it goes. Exactly, exactly. And as a matter of fact, that's a good example because when you do that, um, that's a very, very good example because what happens is you can actually roll and you can succeed and have three threats. And what happens is those threats don't have to come to fruition right there, then and there. However, as a GM, you should be applying them to that encounter, right? You're, you're As a GM, you're not banking the threats, to whip something out of your butt later in the adventure. But going to what you were saying, hey, fly casual, they succeeded in going through, mm-hmm. but they know that it's not, it's, you know, they're, they're BSing. They know. Yeah, it's not legit. Right. And then what happens is as that plays out later when they, they go after them and realize that they're on the, the planet or, or the moon. And yeah, that's a good example too. Um, so in this, are we pretty much wrapped up on this one? I think so. The last, um, I, of course, I always have one more thing, <laughs> as I always do. Mm-hmm. Um, the, one of the interesting that is when you compare gaming to a movie or to a book or whatever it is, and I know in the movie it's a script, right? So it's it's definitely preset as the actor's doing something. And, you know, when you're writing it initially, the author will say, well, I wasn't really sure what was going to happen, this, that, the other thing. But in the game, there's when it's life and death, Right, and it can mean the immediate stop of fun for somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, your character got shot in the face, or something horrible happened. Then <clears throat> that whole die interpretation thing, I think, gets even stickier mm-hmm. with certain players and certain game masters because the if you're a let the dice fall where they may kind of dude, and you hit, go, sorry, you're shot in the face, your head explodes. But I had this, yeah. At least your brains don't splatter in your partner. You know, right. <laughs> wow, yeah. you know, and that's not as cool as. Han Solo, you know, sneaking up, cracking a stick, or flying casual and actually getting in, but Vader still knows you're here, and because that's gonna work, none of those people are actually gonna die. But if you were to take that and apply it to a Firefly scenario, with like within the Serenity movie, at the very end, I'm gonna spoiler time, right? So Wash is coming in. Have you seen this? Oh yeah. Okay, so Wash is flying in, a leaf in the wind. Freaking craziness going all over the place. They land, looks over at his wife or whomever, goes, wow, this is great. And shock, he gets stuck right through the chest and he freaking dies because it's a horrible. And from a system perspective, he succeeded, but he had so goddamn many negative threats that guess what? You're dead. So I think sometimes um, we tend to look at it from the the shiny Star Wars lens, right? Mm. If we're going to compare the two. Sure. One, one doesn't have – 
major characters don't die. Bad guys die. You know, even Vader, he doesn't force choke anybody who really matters. He just kills Captain Nita or whomever it is, and, you know, Stalin promotes in the next guy. Where in Firefly and Serenity, <laughs> um, Preacher gets killed because you did something, and then guess what? They show up and blow the hell out of everybody. Oh, yeah, and Wash dies too. In one movie, two of the main characters that you lived and loved are dead. And that's, <clears throat> and I think. But again, then as a player, you've got to be willing to accept that and say, well, you know what? Narratively speaking, that was sexy. That was cool. And I died for a really good narration. I'm awesome. That's awesome. I'll, I'll live with that. Not everybody's willing to do it. No, that's true. Absolutely. I'll shut up about that now. <laughs> Maybe. So do we want to go into die roll? I think we should. If nothing else, we got to get we got to get to the end of this thing at some point. Die roll is something that we came up with. That's basically um, two to five things that Brett and I come up with that just may be neat, um, something to check out, something we've seen, take notice. But it's more just in brief, nothing elaborate. Uh, so, do you have yours ready to go? Um, I think I do. Let me see here. Where's my little list of stuff? Yep. Okay. So you want me to start or do you want to start? Uh, go ahead. Oh, come on. Start the last one. You start right, this I'll one. I'll start. I'll find you start. It. I'll go start. So uh, starting off, uh, Game Hole Con November. Uh, it's a local convention here in Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, if you guys are interested in coming it's gameholecon.com is the web address. Um, they, I think, there's, I think, event submissions are coming to a close, which is ironic because they they let it go even past when their event. So they don't close event submission when people can actually sign up for events. Um, so there's still a, you could still submit an event. Um, you could still get a badge and sign up for events that haven't been um, all locked up and and done. I'll be there. I'll be running uh, Dungeon Crawl Classics as well as a Savage World Ghostbusters game on Saturday night. So check that out if you can. Uh, I got a shirt that I number two from my die roll list. I had a shirt uh, that I posted on Google Plus. I'll put the link in the show notes that got a, quite a few hits and a lot of reshares. Um, That's the draft paper? No, this one is oh, the oh. one I found from Corey Doctro. I think, shared it on Twitter. I, I happened to cross-post it over. But it says there ain't no party like a D&D party because a D&D party don't stop until the healer's dead and we've used up all our potions. <laughs> yes, I, have, I saw that. I did. Awesome. Um, number three on my die roll uh, RPG chat or hash pound pound sign RPG chat on Twitter. Um, so that's a, so I asked, uh, at beef griller, I, I don't remember his actual name on there, but that's his Twitter handle. Um, he's usually running that, um, Justin Bergen, who's at D 20 dad got back to me. So every Thursday at 3 PM Eastern standard time and 9 PM Eastern standard time, us, um, they have a, what's called RPG chat on Twitter. So you can just tune into that. You get your favorite you know, chat, Twitter chat client, or if you just use Twitter itself, pound RPG chat. They'll usually have a topic. They'll talk about that for a little bit of time. It's kind of like a real-time instant message, but it's using Twitter. 
uh, that's always really cool, and you can get to know a few people that are, are taking place in on that. And then number four on my die roll, um, downsizing. So I am currently, uh, one of my kind of things I've taken a look into in the last few months is tiny houses. I probably won't move into one anytime soon simply because I don't know if it's, you got to have your spouse in on the same page if you want to do something <laughs> as crazy as doing this. But if you haven't looked into it, tiny houses are really <clears throat> small. You're talking a hundred, 250 square feet. Um, but it, it really kind of made me think about downsizing some of my stuff and getting rid of it. And, uh, so some of the things that that, that falls into is some of my role playing game stuff, which is, um, things I don't play, things I haven't played, things I probably won't play. And so I'm putting some of that stuff on eBay and Craigslist and G plus to, to hopes that shrinking my actual bookshelf. Um, and actually it's pretty, I don't know. It's, um, I, you do kind of have a weight that's been lifted. I mean, for me personally, because I don't need all those books and they just, as a matter of fact, they probably make me kind of more depressed just because I know I've got all these books and all these games. I just haven't played and it sucks. Oh, books never make me depressed. I, I sit in my, I sit in my little home office here where I've got my, uh, my Mac and I, I I did this last night because my wife was gone for the weekend. With the kids in bed, I sat down, read half a book, looked around the rest of it, and I thought, yeah, I need more. <laughs> I'm sick that way. Yeah, Can't I'm help sure it. that I'm the – it's not – I'm probably not the norm. I'm not the uh, – I mean, most gamers love their books. And hard You're just not a sick bibliophile like I am. You just – it's okay. It's, it's okay not to be me in this regard. I'll be – I'll let you – I'll let you have that. Yeah, and then maybe I'll regret some of it. I don't know. Who knows? Eh. So those cool. are my my four die rolls for for this week. What do you got, Brett? Let me see. I got a couple, nothing too drastic. One of the things that I uh, bought off iTunes a while back to watch with my my youngest boy. He's eight. AJ. He likes to play. Uh, he loves it when I pull out my HeroQuest board game, Dungeon, um, any of uh, Talisman. He loves Talisman because it goes on for freaking ever, of course, and it, that means he gets to play board games with Daddy longer. So that's awesome. Um, but I bought the second Dungeons and Dragons movie, Wrath of the Dragon God. It is abysmally bad, of course, right? It's not good. However, I have to say, I've never seen either D and D movie. You're, that's okay. I think <laughs> I, I think you're okay. You, you, I lost sanity after I watched both of them. But um, the second one is now at this point. I've seen it enough times with AJ that it, I can like get through it. But the an interesting part is that I look at that and I'm like, you know what? This is the type of adventure that I used to run when I was a kid, when I was AJ's age, you know, eight and, you know, early teens, late high school. This type of questing silliness and whatnot, this is exactly what I got off on at that time. So I'm like, you know what, this is – I could totally mine this entire plot line and uh, my kids would be like, oh, my God, this is the best story ever. So that was that was kind of fun. So I guess if nothing else, when when you see that stuff – and if you've got kids, if you've got young people at all that are like interested in this stuff, and they don't aren't really discerning <laughs> as far as movie tastes go, I mean seriously, throw this stuff at him because it's fun. And he saw it, and he's like, "Wow, I really want to play Dungeons and Dragons." You know, he just really wanted to do it because he said, "I could do this." Yeah, you could totally have got. He sees my minis, he sees this stuff. He's like, "I have friends at school that would like this too." I'm like, "Bring them on over, kid. I got plenty of graph paper to go around. We can totally make this work." You know, that's probably a good thing because some of that stuff does not age well. 
Yes, that's very true. Some <laughs> of it doesn't a, age well at all. The youngsters may have just a, a much better appreciation <clears throat> than we do now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the other one he loves is um, uh, Hawk the Slayer. I bought that off iTunes a while back. I don't know if anybody out there remembers Hawk the Slayer, but God, that movie's that's so bad. It's awesome. I just love it. <laughs> the other one is, I think. Um, Totally non-gaming related, but this ne- this next coming weekend here, if the weather's decent, um, we've got a big homecoming thing for my kids at their high school this this Saturday. But I'm thinking Sunday is motorcycle riding time. So Sean, if we're able to, we got to get out on Sunday because it may be in a beautiful, um, soon to be snowy Wisconsin. This may be one of the last weekends we get. So I think I'm going to try to organize something for Sunday. I'm pretty. Uh, it won't be long, and I'll put the stable in the engine. It'll be gone. I'll just look at it you know, longingly in the garage. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty, uh, trying to figure out a decent ride, get an all day or in on Sunday if we can. Oh, that'd be nice. I'll have to, I'll have to see him. swing. Yeah. I'm, I, it should be free. I don't even think I have anything on the counter. I went Saturday and it was a chilly one, but I got the liner in the leather coat and that there was you fine. Go. Yeah. I still got to get you some gloves. I can't believe you ride without gloves. Crazy man. <laughs> it's no gloves on this Saturday. <laughs> so I'm like feeling like these big, huge, club claws or try to <laughs> work the clutch and brake and yeah was, yeah it worked fine and it'll certainly do the trick when it gets even colder but yeah i'm kind of a i don't know where i lost my leather i lost a set of leather gloves i've got i don't know where they are i think let me uh what did i have here i lost my train i thought oh the uh the last piece i had was oh i've got two other ones um well the last ones i just wrapped up an amber game with my with my group and after that game, and the reason – this is a total segue back to everything we just talked about. But one of the things that happened, and there was a two newer guys, uh, Kevin and his boy Austin. And um, we got talking about things after the game, and they really they, – they've been with us long enough. And they started talking like, you know what? I really wish we could do more of this type of thing. They started talking about what they want out of the game and so forth because we'd wrapped up kind of early that evening. We spent three hours drinking beer, BSing, drinking coffee, eating – crappy food and stayed up way too late, but just talked for like three, four hours about what we wanted out of the next game. Didn't care where it was set or where it was, the type of characters and the type of action that they wanted to get into. It was just awesome. It was one of those weird moments that nobody planned it. We didn't say, hey, we're going to get here and talk about the stuff beforehand. Sort of what we wanted just naturally occurred, and that was pretty cool. So did you decide on something or what? Yeah, we're going to do – I'm going to do my Avalon Fantasy World, and we're going to use the Osric system this time through. The guys really wanted to get away from Pathfinder. They are feeling very burned out on, much like we talked about earlier, the die rolls for everything. They just wanted something a little more narrative, but they love the D&D combat stuff. Hmm. And uh, the Osric system was a hell of a lot of fun when I ran them through White Plume Mountain earlier this year. So they wanted to go back to that. They thought that would be fun. So you're going to start them out at first? Oh, yeah. That way it's harder. <laughs> Wizard with two hit points. I think I might be gracious to let them have like a full, you know, top end of the die roll for hit points maybe. Oh, magic user with four hit four points. Four hit points. Yeah, plus a con bonus, baby, if oh, you get it. You're not going to have a con. <laughs> no, you're not. You're not going to have a con user. bonus. That's just a pretend bone I throw them. Um, the other piece is that I'm a, I'm a hunter. So this weekend is, was the opener for uh, bow season here in Wisconsin. Wasn't able to get out, which sucked, but that's okay because my, my wife was gone. That was the reason I couldn't get out. But I was just time with the time with the kids, which is really, really cool. Um, and I've got five. And there's four left in the house. The oldest one's off of college. So the older ones are off doing their thing because they're teenagers now and way too cool for me, and I'm, I'm fine with that. But the two little ones want to do this. They came up with this thing. They want to do a book club. 
So my little home office area got turned into, it was like just full of pillows and stuffed animals and piles of kids' books that they drug in. And my youngest one is, she's six. And if there's anything the eight-year-old can read, she can read. Uh, so she pulls down Neil Gaiman's The Graveyard Book, and she starts reading through that. She thinks that's awesome. And then they found my Calvin Hobbes collection stuff. They're reading that stuff out loud and just howling all night long. It was a blast. It was a lot of fun. So... I guess coming back to it, it was just really cool to share that stuff with my kids. That was a lot of fun. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Yay. <laughs> so I think that wraps it up for another episode. Uh, another episode. It's our first episode. It's the first. Of Gaming and BS. I'm Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night, all. <laughs>